Last week, we started talking about uh, the generosity ladder. And so, Bree, I'm gonna have you grab this microphone right here. And come on up here. I'm going to have, uh, Bree is going to do our Bible reading for us this morning. Uh, our Bible reading is coming to us from Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. And uh, Bree is one of our interns this summer, Bree Han. And I also want to introduce our other interns. We have, uh, this is probably our 12th or 13th year doing uh, internships. In fact, I was just reflecting with my daughter. I think she was an intern maybe 12 years ago, 12 or 13. She made that canvas her first year, 12 years ago, and it still lives. So uh, we, we uh, value all, we've had about 60 interns through the years, and so we are grateful for them. And uh, so Bree is serving as an intern, and Nate DeWall, is Nate here? If you can just stand up, because I know you'll enjoy that, uh, so everybody can see Nate. Uh, also, uh, thanks Nate, uh, Izzy Weiss, is Izzy here this morning? Izzy's over there, and uh, Anya Steele. And Anya is one of our interns this yeah, week, so. We are grateful for them. You'll be seeing them around. They were a lot of the effort this week to went into putting Arts Camp together, but they're serving in ministry. They're learning in discipleship. They're uh, discovering more about their gifts and who God wants them to be. And so we're grateful for them and also for your support of them because it's a paid internship. And so we're grateful for that. So why don't you read our Bible reading for us this morning, all right, as we think again about this idea of generosity. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more to the treasury than all of the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I framed our conversation last week around the idea of the generosity ladder. Now, the generosity ladder is simply a tool to help us navigate our way through this idea of generous giving. This is our, our generosity ladder. I struggled with the generosity ladder this week, and I had to make a phone call to the ladder company, but it just rung and rung and rung. I didn't want to be outdone. I didn't want to be outdone by those dads. You know, one thing, though, I did learn this week is that some people do get addicted to ladders. They like being high. I found that out. No, should we get on with the word instead? Because I, I got more. I got more. We can... <laughs> All right. Okay, we'll, we'll get going. Uh, so we talked about last week that we want to move towards being an extravagant giver. That's the top of the ladder, being an extravagant getter, giver. And we looked at how Paul was encouraging us in his words. He says, what I want you to do in all things, I want you, you have your faith, you have your speech, you have your love, you have all those elements of faith as you try to follow Jesus Christ. And what I want you also to have in your faith is that you excel at the grace of giving. Excel at the grace of giving. And so we talked about that last week, that we, we aim for that. Why? 
because we have Jesus Christ, the one that we follow who says, come, follow me. And Jesus, who gave up everything for us, is the one that we follow. And so we realize that he was an extravagant giver, and so as his followers, we too need to be extravagant givers. But also we are extravagant givers because of our, our love and our worship of God. As we just sang over and over again how good God is to us, what a good, good father he is, and he pours everything into our lap, and especially not just our life and breath and all that we have, but also our salvation. Where the scriptures tell us, for God so loved the world, he gave. He gave. Our God, too, is an extravagant giver. So in response to following Jesus, in response to who God is, we, too, are going to be extravagant givers. And so I simply challenged you last week to start by being an initial giver. We start at the bottom with our hands, sort of in a, with a worldview, with our hand. Wow, that's kind of lopsided. There we go. With our hands uh, closed up and in selfishness and in wanting all the things and coveting the things of the world. That's who, who, how we come into this world. And the enemy continues to put that message into us. And we said, let's, let's, let's listen to Jesus Christ and let's just open up our hands. Let us look to the kingdom of God. Let us have a generous heart like God and, and just give a gift. Just give a gift. And, and let go of those things that tie you down to this world. And once we made that initial gift, then we talked about giving an intentional gift. Stepping up to being an intentional giver. This is just simply... What is going on here? Ooh. Oh. All right. Got all kinds of things going on here this morning. All right. Can you guys see now over here? There we go. All right. Is everybody good? Amen. Okay. Uh, drinks? Anybody need drinks? Anybody need snacks? I just, you got drinks, we got snacks. All right. We're, we're doing, I just want to make sure we're all okay. All right. That'll be good. I wanted you to be in, in the, an intentional giver where we just get in the rhythm where we set aside part of our, our, uh, our, our resources to bring to God. We pray through it. We think about it. And we uh, get in a, a rhythm of our life. Following what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16, he said, On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up, and then bringing it. We just don't do this haphazardly. We intentionally bring our offerings to God. In his second letter to Corinthians, Paul said, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. It's a decision. Intentional. He says, not giving it reluctantly or under compulsion, right? We're doing it because of these good reasons, because God loves a cheerful giver, and that's why we give. And so we talked about initial giver, an intentional giver, on our way to being an extravagant giver, but there's one more step in there, and that came out of our Bible reading this morning. And what came out of our Bible reading this morning was this step, sacrificial giver. Sacrificial giver. I, I'm just going to be honest here. One of the things that uh, I enjoy is people watching. I don't know if anybody else enjoys people watching, uh, where you just kind of observe people. You read what's on their shirts. You listen to their conversations. You try to put their backstories to their life, figure all this, this stuff out. And yesterday was a grand day for me of 
people watching. We went down to the Maker's Market down by John Ball Park, and a lot of people watched there. Then we went through the zoo. A lot of people watching in the zoo yesterday. And I had a problem with one person that I saw walking through the zoo yesterday, and hopefully it wasn't you. Um, <laughs> going through the zoo, we passed a lady who had on uh, tiger-striped leggings. Yeah, I just think that's not a thing to wear to the zoo. Does anybody else? Is that not like flaunting to the animals? Like, hey, this could happen to you. Better behave. I don't think you wear animal prints when you go to the zoo. It's just a thing that, that uh, I think you, you don't do. So I'm watching people. I like people watching, and I feel some of the judgment coming back at me. Like, how could you judge people? You go to the, actually the, the cream of the crop place is Walmart. That's the best place. <laughs> to watch people. And I had some photos I was going to show of people at Walmart, and then I thought, yeah, it could be somebody in my church, so I'm not going to show those. <laughs> but we engage in people watching. Unless you judge me, I want you to see here in our Bible reading that I'm in good company. I'm with Jesus this morning. You want to do what Jesus does? Jesus liked to watch people. Did you, did you hear that in your Bible reading? It said, Jesus watched the crowd. Jesus watched the crowd. Now, the setting for this passage is at the Passover festival. It's one of the three pilgrimage festivals, so that means all the Jewish believers, men, are coming to celebrate, so the city is filled with thousands and thousands of people. The temple is a specially crowded place, and Jesus, we know, as we see in the paragraph just above this one, that he was teaching, and he's been teaching since the morning time, and he's probably wore out, and so Jesus goes, and he sits down in the temple, much like you might do on a bench when you're going to the museum or you're going some other place just to rest. And as Jesus sat down, it tells us that Jesus watched the crowd. He watched the crowd. This word watched is an imperfect verb in the original language, which means it's an ongoing action. It's not something that Jesus just took a glance, oh, I watched, and he looked back. No, he's watching. He's looking with intent. He's keeping his focus on. He's uh, studying what's going on there as he's watching the people. And also what we find out here is that Jesus, as he's watching the people, he's looking with purpose, he's looking with intent. What is he watching? He's watching the people put their money into the temple treasury, putting their money into the temple treasury. By way of setting, if we remember the temple courts, uh, we would have the, um, the temple was set on a temple mount and uh, on all going all, if you think of like four concentric rectangles maybe, on the very outer platform would be, that was the court of the Gentiles, so anybody could be there. But then as you move to the temple proper, which is pictured uh, on the screen there, you can see that within the temple proper, first you have the court of the women, the women's court, and then it goes in, and then you get the court of the men, the Jewish men. And then there's the court of the priests. And then finally, the one place where only the, the high priest can go on the day of holy, holy, uh, the day of atonement is into the holy of holies of God. So it's like concentric rectangles of holiness moving in. And so this particular, uh, where this is taking place, is at the court of the women. The court of the women. And around this court of the women were colonnades. 
And, there were, and underneath each colonnade was a wooden chest that then had a, me, a metal trumpet, which then probably would have been made out of a, a, a ram's horn of some kind, like the shofar trumpet. And that would, a metal one would be on top of that going down into the wooden box, and that was the temple treasury. It was literally called the trumpets. That was the, the place where you gave. There were 13 of them. Seven uh, were used for the temple, um, keeping the upkeep of the temple, the priests, etc. Five of them, uh, no, six of them then were for voluntary offerings. And this most likely is where Jesus was sitting, and he's watching people put their offerings into the chests. And it says as Jesus watches the crowd, he sees two groups of people coming. The first group of people that Jesus sees coming are the rich. It says Jesus saw many rich people coming and they threw in large amounts. Now in that day, the trumpets were made out of metal, the coins were made out of metal, and so if you're a rich person who's throwing gold or silver into a metal container, it's going to make what? Yeah, it's gonna make noise, right? You drop it in, it's gonna make noise. But these are rich people, so they have lots of coins, right? They got lots of coins, lots of money, and so you can imagine as Jesus is sitting off watching them, he's watching the rich people come up who have lots of money, and the rich people come up and they look around because they know as soon as I drop my coin in, it's making money. What are all the heads doing that are right there by them? They're turning, they're looking, and the guy's like, oh, I put one coin in, a crowd is looking at me, put my money in, I'll put another one in. Bigger crowd, a bigger crowd. All right, I'll put another one in. The crowd is gathering. They're ooing and eyeing at all that the rich are putting into the temple treasury. They're putting more in, and as soon as the crowd is gathered, he drops his coins in, and it is a big crowd. And when he gets to the end, everybody's like, that was awesome. Yeah, way to go, way for your giving. Oh, my goodness. They put so much in the temple treasury. That was incredible. Jesus is watching the rich people come who put a lot, large amounts, into the temple treasury. But then, uh-oh, maybe we got to pay attention again. We always look for that word in the story because it says something to us as believers. But a poor widow came. A poor widow came. Uh, the Greek word here is patakos. Patakos. And this does not mean a poor peasant. No, this is, this is the strongest word for a poor person that you could come up with. This is abject poverty. This is a poor person who is completely destitute, somebody who is left to begging. And the way that they place it in the original language, it's an emphatic word. So uh, it says, but a poor widow came. That's emphatic. We all know it's not just a widow, but she's poor. We all know that, the finger's born. She's a poor, destitute widow. That's the emphasis on her. And she is coming up to the offering box, it says. And what does Jesus see her do? A poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins. It's not gold. It's not silver. It's copper. It's the lowest, the lowest value coin they had in the day. It was called a lepton, actually, a lepton, where we get our word leaf from. 
So if that tells you about how thin this coin was, it amounted to not much at all. And this poor woman strolls up, unlike the rich person. She has her head down, she walks up, and she puts her money in. And it hardly makes a sound. In fact, if you were there watching in the temple, you wouldn't even notice amongst all the talking, amongst all the conversation going on. And if you did notice, you might elbow one another and go, oh my goodness, that's a sad excuse of an offering. (laughs) We couldn't even hear anything. What is she doing? Why is she putting that in there? And maybe even the disciples were guilty of doing a little bit of that. But this woman puts those two little coins in. And what does it say the scriptures say Jesus did? He called his disciples to him. Calling his disciples... Is, is Mark's way of saying church, church of Jesus Christ, that's a literary tool that Mark uses, church of Jesus Christ, I want you to pay attention to this. So calling his disciples to him, Jesus said truly, or the other word here is, is uh, assuredly, it's amen uh, uh, lego in, in Greek, which means I, I, this is something true. This is a nugget. This is, I, I, this is something you've got to listen to because you can stake your life on this, Jesus is saying. Here it is. This thing I'm going to tell you right here. Listen to this. Because there's nothing truer than what I'm about to tell you right now. And so if Jesus is stressing that importance to his disciples and it's preserved for us here, it seems to me that maybe we ought to listen to it. And take a look if Jesus is putting this much emphasis on it. And Jesus says, assuredly, I tell you, this poor widow put more into the treasury than all the others. She put in more. Come on, Jesus. She didn't put in more, right? I mean, if you go by value... She didn't put in more. We got the gold, we got the coins, we got the amount. That coin hurt, leptins, that, Jesus, you're wrong. If we go by the, the weight, Jesus, get a scale out, Jesus, more goes with the rich, not with the woman. Maybe you should just stick to your lane, Jesus. Just get, stick to theology. Let us do the math, Jesus. Because it's certainly not more. I mean, look at the pot. It's not more. You can't even see those two coins, Jesus. What do you mean it's more? Well, what did more look like in Jesus' eyes? More for Jesus looked like a generous heart. More for Jesus looked like a heart devoted to God. And that's where Jesus was always looking, always looking at our hearts. Yes, there's actions that we do, but he's looking at the heart behind the action and he's looking to see if our heart loves God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength and maybe even our money and Jesus looks at this woman he says she loves more because I look at her heart and I can see her devotion I can see her love for God and that's where where God always looked remember when they when Israel wanted a king and they're like, oh, you got to pick a king because he looks like a king, right? He's tall, he's good looking, he's big, nobody's going to fight our king. And, and God says, you know what? Man looks at the appearance, but God looks at the heart. 
Remember when Jesus was talking, he was talking with him, said, said the, the people, or God said, the people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are, are very far from me. And these same people who would do an argument with Jesus would go, what are you talking about, Jesus? We put in more money. We're the rich people. We're being religious. We're giving to God a whole much. We put in more. He would look at them and say, you whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside, but on the inside, you're not doing that because you love God. You're doing that for the accolades of people. You're doing it for your own reputation. You're doing it to make a name for you. It's not about God in any way, shape, or form. And that's what Jesus sees. And so he says she put more in because of the devotion of her heart, but it was also more because she made a sacrifice. More was a sacrifice. What did Jesus say about, her, about their giving? He said, they all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything all she had to live on. She put in everything. She held nothing back from God. This gift was about sacrifice. This was a destitute woman who had absolutely nothing, and for her to give these two leptons meant, where am I gonna get my bread from this day? But she was willing to make that sacrifice. And the sacrifice is always that you give up something of good and of value because you know what you're giving up for is of more good and of more value. Right, I go back to all those years where, where I was part of the wrestling team in high school and college, and, and why would you get up all those mornings to go to practice, and why would you go into the weight rooms, and why would you go to all those tournaments on Saturday? Why would you make that sacrifice of time? Why would you give up all that time? Because the good, for me, was at the end of the day getting your arm raised, wearing the medal. And so I'd give up the good for one so that I could get the good of the other, and that's what this woman is doing. She's saying, I'm giving up what's good in my life, which is the way I'm gonna get bread, but you know what's most important to me? Not the bread that I'm eating today, but that God knows I love him. That God sees that I'm his child, that I am thankful to him, that he is prized as the number one thing in my life, that's the most important thing to me today. And so I will give up literally everything for him. She held absolutely nothing back. But the others, says Jesus, they gave out of their wealth. They walked away from that gift and it made no difference in their life. They, it didn't sting them in any way. It didn't hurt them in any way. Life was still gonna go on in the same way. It cost them absolutely nothing. And that's what Jesus is pointing at. That if you're gonna give a gift, you gotta give in such a way that maybe it hurts a little bit. That maybe you have to rearrange your priorities a little bit. Instead of just giving leftovers, remember we talked about that before, just giving God what's easy, right? I'm just gonna give it to him. It doesn't, doesn't hurt anything. We're giving out of our wealth. But Jesus points to the one who gave out of her poverty and says, right there, right there, that's the kind of giving I'm looking for. The one who will rearrange the priorities and ultimately the one who will trust 
Because at the same time this woman put those coins in, she knew her good, good father, who Jesus said, pray, give us this day our daily bread, and then do not worry because your father knows what you need. And she could trust her God to provide for her needs. She wasn't going to hold on to it. She was going to release it to God and know that he, in trust, would take care of her as his child. And so Jesus points to the sacrifice. He points to her heart and he says, that's more. So I think if Jesus is, is, is pointing her out and the disciples is an example, it just, as I said before, it seems like we ought to set our eyes beyond this step of, of, of just becoming an initial giver, an intentional giver, and maybe set our eyes on being a sacrificial giver because that's where Jesus was pointing in this passage and saying, that's the kind of giving that I'm looking for. Why? Because it reveals a heart that loves God, reveals a heart that trusts God, reveals a heart that's not tied to the things of the world, it reveals a heart that is seeking the kingdom of God and desiring that those resources be used to expand God's kingdom here on earth until Jesus Christ comes again. That's the kind of giving that I'm looking for. And so, I think if you can give a gift and not notice it, it doesn't hurt a little bit, then is it really a sacrificial gift? Mother Teresa said, if you give what you do not need, it isn't giving. If you give what you do not need, it isn't giving. So I think as we challenge ourselves to move up to this level, we need to ask ourselves, am I giving out of my wealth or am I giving out of my poverty? Is this the kind of giving that if Jesus were sitting out in the lobby, sitting on one of our green benches, as we came into worship and we funneled past the offering boxes at our door, and Jesus was watching what you are bringing to God, would he point a finger at you and go, yeah, that's the kind of giving I'm looking for? Because isn't that what we want? He's the one we follow. And Jesus gives us an example of that right here. Jesus goes, yeah, I see their motive. I see what they're doing online. I see what they put in that box. They're giving from a heart that's devoted to God. They're making that sacrifice for me. And we're giving not because we have to, but because we want to, because we know who God is. And it's all done, as I said last week, in response to who God is and what he has done for us. And then we get in that habit of sacrificial giving. And we really become to understand Jesus' words that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus said that. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Guy, this guy was all about giving, wasn't he? Gosh, didn't he live in the United States of America? He, what, doesn't he know? We gotta accumulate, we gotta build bigger barns, we gotta get things for ourselves, we gotta have the newest and latest and greatest. No, he said it's better to, to give than to receive. And as we step into that and we, and we watch with joy what God's doing in the kingdom, 
how God's using those resources to care for the poor, how he's using those resources to suddenly provide homes for the homeless, how God's using those resources to set prisoners free, as we begin to see that we become filled with the joy of the Lord. And that is worth more than the latest tech gadget or the latest phone that we could have or the newest pair of shoes because we see what's happening in the kingdom. And that joy begins to well up in us because I'm giving away and I'm giving away. God's using it and it's going greatly. And gosh, I don't need that stuff. Right? And when I pass away, as Jesus said, moth moth and rust are just going to destroy it anyway. So let me invest it into the kingdom where, where moth and rust cannot destroy. And I see that happening. And we move our way up to extravagant giving. And extravagant giving is when it just doesn't make sense. Doesn't make any sense that you're giving this away. It's beyond any kind of expectation. And this is what we see in the early church. We read in the book of Acts, Acts 2. It says, the early church, Acts 2, verse 44. They began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all. Selling their property and possessions? That's nuts. That's nuts. Why would anybody do that? And as soon as that question is sparked, I think we've hit the level of extravagant giving. How many people today, how many believers, how many Christians, how often does it happen in the church of Jesus Christ that we sell our homes and farms and rental properties and we we liquidate our retirement plans and our savings to give to the kingdom of God so that God can do something with it and further ministry? I think we would all agree wouldn't we, if we listen to that, that is like, you can't expect that. That's extravagant giving. And when that kind of question starts coming up, when, you're, when your family and your, your friends and your finance manager and everybody around you goes, what are you doing? You can't give that much stuff away. You can't. Then we're at extravagant giving. We see that in the church of Macedonia as well. Paul is talking about the believers there, and Paul says this, he says, I testify that according to their ability, listen to this, and beyond their ability, they gave. Like the woman, they gave out of their poverty. In fact, they even came to Paul and said, Paul, can we have an offering? I've been a pastor for almost 40 years, and you know what I've never been asked in 40 years? Pastor Bob, can we have an offering this morning? I'm waiting for that day. I'm bringing such a big gift this morning, Pastor Bob, I can't wait to give it. Let's have an offering, yeah. And that's what the Macedonian church was doing. They were doing it. And that's the example that we see in the New Testament church of God's people, that they were excelling in the grace of giving. They were extravagant givers. Why? They were sold out for the kingdom. They were sold out for God. They knew what he had done. They were following Jesus Christ. It was all about the kingdom of God and not about the world. They knew they were just passing through because their home was in heaven. And so they excelled in the grace of giving. Can you imagine if God's church did that today? Excel in the grace of giving? I mean, I was thinking about that this week, right? We've been sitting on this lump of land 30 years. What if we excelled at the grace of giving? 
What kind of ministry do you think could be happening on that land? Could counseling be happening? Could homes be built? Could children's needs be met? Could food be provided? I mean, just think about it. And what do we own? What do we have that could be better than that? People tell me, well, we can't do anything because we don't have the resources. Oh my goodness. God has the resources. And we're going back to step number one because where has he put those resources? He's entrusted them to his people. He said, I put these resources in my hand, in your hands. Now you're stewards. Remember yes, last week we talked about that. You manage it for me. You use it according to my will, my ways, my purposes. And what if we all began to do that? What if the church at large began to do that? Could we not take care of so many issues that are in our world today to make this world look more like the kingdom of God? Perhaps the enemy is pushing hard on us to hold on, to store up, to tell us we need. And maybe our ear is bent towards the enemy more than it is towards God who says, give, and it will be given unto you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and rolling over. That's our God, and that's his promise. We, we either can live our lives as a bucket, right, where we just, everything's coming in and we're, holding, and we're carrying the bucket around, or we can live our lives as a hose. Comes in, it's going out. In, it's going out. I'm just, I'm just spraying everything with this. That's the kind of people we need to be. Hose, hose people. We need to be hosers. Okay, so so far I've told you you need to be butt people and hosers. How come your church has such low self-esteem? But you get what I mean uh, there. And, and, when I, and when I'm talking about this, I think we can, can also challenge ourselves if we take all that I've said in the last two weeks and then let's also maybe layer on that your time. Maybe layer on your resources, I mean, just the resources that you have. Maybe it's the gifts that God has given you. Uh, where are you with those? Because stewardship is broader than just money. Stewardship is about all that God has given us, our life, our breath, our gifts, our talents, our abilities, our resources, our time. We all have the same amount. I mean, we all have, have those things. And yes, we all can't give the same amount because we all have different gifts, we all have different amounts of money and income, but you know what we can all make together? The same level of sacrifice. We all can make the same level of sacrifice. One that shows in our heart that we love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength, and all our money. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled for you, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. God, I want to thank you for your generous heart that enables us to be here this morning with life and breath and with clothes and a car and food in our bellies and all kinds of things. God, you have just heaped grace upon grace, and your mercies are new every morning. 
And God, as your people, we just want to ask your forgiveness for those times where we've held on to those things. Maybe where we've even worshipped those things. We let those things become an idol. And God, we just want to confess and say we're sorry. They have had a hold on of us. Help us in this day by the power of your spirit to trust you and to take that step of faith, to, to let go. To let go. And to simply live in this world with open hearts, with open hands, with extreme generosity, because that's who you were. And God, my prayer is that what would be said of this community on this hill. Those people, look what they're doing for the kingdom of God, because they are extravagant givers. May, they, may that be said of us today and always. In Jesus' name.